from India's largest newsroom, I'm Arun George, and this is the Times of India podcast. best example of why people choose not to speak out because as i said the fallout is real the professional cost the cost to your peace of mind the cost to your sense of physical safety the cost to just your sense of dignity and respect is it's immense and um i yes the silence is deafening actor swara bhaskar who you just heard hasn't been afraid to speak up for what she believes in but admits it's come at a cost she recently participated in the bharat jodo yatra with rahul gandhi she then released photos from the rally and spoke of how impressed she was with the initiative soon after the congress released a video for walking alongside rahul gandhi set to a dialogue from nil batte sanata a film in which swara bhaskar starred unhe na bhar mein jane ko kahiyo ve tera sapna nahi maar payenge Swara Bhaskar's participation prompted praise but also a familiar wave of abuse among the allegations leveled were that actors from the Hindi film industry had been paid to appear at the rally in today's episode Swara Bhaskar tells my colleague Harinder Baveja that she never took any money to appear at that rally Swara Bhaskar who has starred in hits like Tanuvej Manu Nil Batte Sanata and Anarkali of Ara explains how her political stand has affected her life and work She also tells Harinder about why she attended the Congress rally, why she's got no plans to join politics, and why she won't let online abuse stop her from speaking up. So, Swara, tell us what made you join the Rahul Gandhi Yatra and walk with him. Um. Well, I think that it is no secret. I think now to anyone who is looking at India in something of an objective manner that in the last eight years. the public culture and the political culture in india have deteriorated in ways that i think were unimaginable perhaps 10 or 12 years ago uh, the manner in which hate has been normalized the manner in which violence has uh, erupted in a very daily manner onto the streets into our homes the manner in which uh, hate speech is now just accepted and has total impunity as long as members of the dominant political discourse are doing it um and uh, i think there's a brutalization of society and of all of us all in all so i've been very concerned about this and i've been very vocal about my concern as well um i think also just in terms of public discourse i think that you know when mainstream media is sorry to say but it has played a really really un- unfortunate kind of role in in sort of leading to a total uh, you know make stupidification of frankly of discourse and it it would be um, it would be ridiculous if it was not so dangerous the way in which uh, we are being distracted from real issues uh, with really stupid kind of uh, provocative sensationalist kind of debates on a literally daily basis um and i found that when i read about the bharat jodo yatra and when i kind of began to see what was happening um i felt that this is an important and an interesting way to kind of resist uh, what's happening in our country i really liked the messaging i liked the fact that they were talking about unity about love about love for your country and i also liked the fact that they were highlighting you know issues uh, that 
concern all Indian people like inflation, unemployment and other issues of, of people. And I, I have, I think, personally also admired Rahul Gandhi now, especially post, you know, 20, 2018 onwards in terms of how he has continuously every time uh, he speaks has sort of tried to foreground issues that affect people um, and, and not, you know, sensationalist uh, kinds of, of narrative. And so I kind of wanted to be there to participate uh, and lend my solidarity. You know, many see Rahul Gandhi as a reluctant politician. You are saying you uh, he sort of endeared you to himself and his party in the last few years, but he does come across as a reluctant politician, someone who's there because of his surname. I don't think so. I think that uh, if I, I think this is a predecided narrative, I think that there is a lot of propaganda around uh, the image of Rahul Gandhi, around his perception. Um, who does he come across as a reluctant politician to? He's going to be walking more than 3,600 kilometers in this walk to literally transform the political culture of the country. Um, he's uh, doing hundreds of interactions. I literally witnessed all this. He's meeting people every five, ten minutes. He's meeting common people. People are coming to him and telling him like a variety of their problems. He's doing rallies. He's constantly engaging with people. So I, I think that it doesn't strike me at all as the fact that he's reluctant at all. In fact, I think he's a very resolved politician. I think he doesn't fit the narrative that has been set in our public and political culture because we now exist in a, in a space and in a discourse where it, as long as you are winning elections, politics is all just about winning elections by hook or by crook. So uh, yeah, he doesn't strike me as a reluctant politician at all. He strikes me as precisely the kind of politician that we need more of in India. But, you know, you uh, political parties are not mere NGOs. They are also in the business of winning elections. Now, there's an important election underway in Gujarat. Isn't it disappointing that Rahul Gandhi went there just for a day? Disappointing for whom? For you? No. Why should it be disappointing for me? I don't believe that politics is only about electoral uh, politics. I, I feel... I fundamentally disagree with this understanding of politics, that politics should be limited to electoral uh, politics and campaigning and winning for elections. Our whole problem as a people is always that, oh, politicians only appear election to election, that they only come to meet the people election to election. Well, here's a politician who has disassociated his movement from any specific election, and he's talking about a larger, deeper transformation of our political culture, of our society, of our imagination, I think that's a great thing. I personally have always felt that, you know, politicians want us to think that politics should be only about winning elections. Uh, it suits their narrative. Politics is about education. Politics is about advocacy. Pa politics is about our lives. Politics today in India decides what I can eat or cannot. I, I, politics today in India decides what I can wear in a classroom or cannot. Politics today in India decides who I can date uh, or not, who I can marry or not. I mean, we literally are in a situation where if I were hypothetically to marry a Muslim, there could be a mob outside my wedding. 
uh, it has happened. So the idea that politics is just about elections is frankly completely wrong and inaccurate and politicians want us to believe this. I actually think that by disassociating the Bharat Jodo Yatra from any particular election, I think that what the Congress and Rahul Gandhi, if, I, if, if that's his personal decision, I don't know, I'm not in a place to say, but I think what they've done is to actually um, open it up to a lot more people who maybe are not interested in electoral politics, but still care about the country. I mean, the ordinary citizen should have a platform and a space to participate in a collective uh, effort to try and resist the hate, the bigotry, the violence that has gripped our country and to participate in something that is uh, transformative. I think it's a pretty radical idea of, of resistance. And I think I'm a lot more, I think, impassioned about it because I've just come back yesterday and I've, I've seen that energy and I've seen um, kind of the impact uh, and, and you feel it, you know. It was very interesting. Rahul uh, said to me that when we were walking and he, he looked, he pointed out and he said that, you know, if you are here, there's no way to not be part of this collective, like this collective effort, like the act of walking. Like if you're standing by the thing, there are just so many people walking that, you know, people will start walking in a company. You'll become part of it willy-nilly. And I saw that. Um, and so I actually thought that it was very smart of them not to link it to Gujarat elections because, you know, that's what people will want because then depending on the Gujarat election result, either you'll call Bharat Jodo Yatra a political gimmick and a political stunt or if it doesn't go out for the way, they'll you'll be like, oh, it was of no use anyway. And so that will damage the Yatra going forward also. But tell me, you know, uh, politics is not only about winning elections, but it is also about winning elections, right? Yeah, sure, for politicians. I'm not a politician. I'm a citizen. I'm a citizen who feels that we are in a situation in India today where no law is too low as long as it wins your elections. We have literally seen the state government of Gujarat release 11 gang rape convicts. And if, if that is not a political gimmick, I don't know what is. We have seen a situation where so-called dharam sansads have in the last year continuously given like literally genocidal calls um, and it has happened with total impunity. We are in a situation where uh, uh, the kind of impunity that this uh, the, the, the Sangh ideology and, and Hindutva has given what we assume for the longest time were fringe groups, um, the kind of impunity they have, they're literally selling women virtually uh, on cyber platforms. They are, people are being thrashed to death in our midst. Everything gets like swept under the carpet because, oh, but you know, they're winning elections, they have a mandate and all. I don't believe that numbers make wrongs right. We have seen this repeatedly. I I'll say it, we've seen this with the Congress in 84, right? After the, the anti-Sikh riots, the, the Congress came back to power with 400 seats. Did that justify what, what happened with the Sikhs in 84? It didn't. Hitler came to power uh, with uh, uh, with an electoral victory, with, a, with literally a mandate of the people. So is Hitler not like the most evil man in history? So I'm, I'm not into this math of elections at all. I feel it's, it's gaslighting citizens. Um, and I, I actually feel that very strongly. To your question that, you know, it's not an NGO, maybe political parties should put on the NGO cap once in a while because they are supposed to serve society, especially those in power. Do you really think a yatra, and in this case, the Bharat Choro Yatra, can address the hate which you've 
which you clearly say is being normalized. You think the Yatra can address that hate? For sure, I think it already is. Their, their slogan is literally Nafra Chodo Bharat Jodo. So they are addressing it like every time they raise the slogan. I don't believe in quick fix solutions, but I do feel that that people need things to do. People need need to feel that they can participate in something. You know, I've been political for very long, uh, but maybe a young person uh, like me who is concerned about what's happening, who doesn't agree with this, who who believes in this, the, the ideals of our constitution uh, as enshrined in the preamble, who believes in justice, liberty, equality, fraternity, and can see that all four of these values are endangered in India today um, and uh, by those in power, uh, but by the people we literally elected by constitutional methods to you know, run the country as per the constitution. So if I am that person, I want to be, I want to ask, what can I do? How can I be part of resisting, of protesting? Well, here's a great way. So I, I'm not saying that the Bharat Jodo Yatra, by the end of it, suddenly hate will disappear from India. Of course not. That's not how society functions. But I think definitely it will inspire people. The day before yesterday, I walked, I saw the way in which people were responding to the Yatra, to Rahul Gandhi himself. Um, I cannot tell you the number of people who have messaged me personally to say that we're so proud of you for having done this. And I heard so many people telling Rahul Gandhi that, you know, you're an icon for us. We're so proud of you. Thank you for fighting for us. Thank you for being our voice. So I think people are getting inspired. And, and I think that the greatest way to challenge hate is always and has always been and will always be love. I mean, that is ultimately Gandhi's message as well. You often speak out on several issues and you've been a part of many protests. Uh, are you seen as a troublemaker in the industry? We are living in a time where uh, people who don't toe the line um, and who are not obedient um, in, in the way in which the dominant discourse would like it in an authoritarian political culture, which is what we are in right now, I feel, uh, those people will be discredited in any way possible. And so, yes, that has been happening to me for eight years. Um, uh, all kinds of names have been attributed to me. Uh, troublemaker, uh, ma'am, is still the, the, the most polite of them. They are far worse names. I'm taunted and name-called by often by people who are sitting in positions of power, elected constitutional positions of power. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's fine. It's, I'm not alone in this. There will always be an attempt to discredit uh, people who question power. It happens everywhere in the world. It, it happens, yes. Our industry is particularly vulnerable. It's particularly scared. And so I, that fear which grips our country is most evident in Bollywood. I've literally lost an event. Today I was supposed to be in Bhuvaneshwar for an event and they cancelled it yesterday, citing security reasons. And on the phone they told us that we got threatening calls saying that if Swara Bhaskar comes here, there will be a protest and so you know we cannot guarantee her security and whatever and so that event got cancelled it's literally that's how immediate the fallout is i mean you are amongst the few in bollywood who does speak out on crucial issues uh do you find the silence deafening there are a lot of people who will not be told go to pakistan if they speak out but they choose not to well, I'm the best example of why people choose not to speak out because, as I said, the fallout is real. The professional cost, the cost to your peace of mind, the cost to your sense of physical safety, the cost to just your sense of dignity and respect, is it's immense. And um, I, yes, the silence is deafening, to answer your question in short. But 
I completely understand it. The silence is deafening in our society. The silence is deafening in media. The silence is deafening, uh, especially amongst the uh, people who are privileged, the people who can afford and should afford to speak out, the people who are educated, the people who know better. The silence is deafening from them. Look at the last few years. Who are the people who have spoken out consistently? Whether it was the CANRC protest, it was the students, and it was Muslims who are two vulnerable communities in their own ways. So. I think the silence is deafening from the people who can and should and could afford to speak up and who know better, right? So Bollywood is the same, really. Like the fear that grips Bollywood, it's just um, it's a mirror for the larger fear that grips our society at large in general. The fear doesn't grip you. I mean, uh, you have the courage. You continue speaking. I don't know if it's courage or foolishness. That's that's a, a up for a, up for debate. I have chosen consciously to put at risk the thing that is most dear to me and that is my work. And the cost has been huge and it's been personal and emotional in the sense that I don't get to do the thing that I love doing, which is acting. I don't get to do it enough. I'm a far better actor and a far more competent uh, and effective actor than the opportunities that come my way. I have a far better track record in terms of my career. I've been part of like literally six or seven blockbuster films and like a whole bunch of web series shows led them. Um, I've never had bad reviews pretty much. So there shouldn't be any reason for me to feel like I don't get enough work. Uh, but clearly I don't. And it's very evident that it's targeted because as I said to you that like I it's been communicated to me so many times. Like in the past, during CNRC, I lost a brand endorsement where in the contract, in the termination letter, they literally said, due to your participation in CNRC protests, you have brought disrepute to the brand. They literally, I have that in writing in, in one of these cupboards. So, um, so you yeah. Name? Sorry? You want to name the brand? No, I don't want to give anybody publicity who didn't continue to pay me for it. <laughs> so tell me, uh, how and when was your political consciousness born? As I was growing up, as I was studying, uh, I came uh, from the background I came from. I, I think political consciousness is something that, um, you know, happens slowly. Uh, it's as you evolve into a more aware and a, a, a person who is aware and engaged with the society around them. Some of it came from reading some of your articles uh, in uh, uh, your investigative pieces or journalists like you at a time when that kind of journalism was possible, um, where you could, you know, point out to authority and to power that, and, and, and that it would get published without perhaps the same kind of backlash that you would face now if you did this kind of stuff. I was born in different India, ma'am. I was born in the late 80s, grew up in the early 90s and 2000s. It was a completely different India. We were not scared, ever. No one told us, no one taught us to be scared. All our teachers taught us was, to, and my parents taught us was to, you know, be good, decent people, help people, be kind, not discriminate, not be bigoted, um, ask questions, uh, stand for what you believe help each other um, and when I was in, in college and you know I, I, I had a very progressive department in Miranda House and our teachers would always say that you know neutrality is a privilege. It is a privilege of those who are untouched by political reality. That famous line that if you are silent at a time of injustice you are siding with the oppressor. So so yeah so that that's how I, that's what my political evolution was. It, a lot of it came from some of these books, from literature, from uh, my parents, from my teachers. I've been very privileged to have very, very um, 
enlightened parents and teachers um friends uh, i went to jnu uh, so there were students in my class who came from a completely different background to mine i became friends with them got to know their lives realized that there's not just one india which is my reality there are many indias but they all have the same claim and the same right to the country so how do you handle all the trolling that comes your way because you know i mean it comes your way a lot yeah i mean every day i uh uh i i i i now handle i don't know my my skin is actually this fat i just uh, you you just learn to become inured to it which is terrible because no one should be inured to verbal uh, abuse and uh cyber sexual harassment which is literally what this trolling actually is if you look at right wing discourse and responses is public discourse a lot of it is also hugely misogynist sexist and uh, bigoted it's not like on on social media they're arguing with you about about logical political differences they are basically swearing at you or abusing you i used to be very upset by it but it's been happening for 8 years so now i've you know i i don't look at the comment section um uh, sometimes when i feel like being sadomasochistic i look at it then i get angry then i do that quote retweet uh and i challenge them so it just depends on my mood in the day um i've told my parents not to read the comment section which sometimes they do then they get very upset as well but that's an ongoing thing I just feel trolling is a form of bullying and if you are silent in the face of bullies they only become more enabled and they feel more confident to continue to do that as in real life with bullies you have to stand up to them and resist bullies are basically cowards have you ever thought of joining politics no but everyone thinks i will uh in 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 bombay a lot of producers are always like oh you know like don't cast her she's anyway going to join politics she's getting into politics so um no i'm not right now at all but then i don't know what you mean by politics if you mean electoral politics i don't really have any plans at the moment um if you mean politics in a larger sense of the word like you know cultural politics advocacy uh, awareness building just engagement i think i do that already i i i think that i am already a pre political person but no i'm not i'm not at this minute looking to get into electoral politics but i also feel like never say never so don't hold me to it according to the bjp the congress is paying bollywood celebrities to walk with rahul gandhi the exact words that the bjp used to describe it is paid pr paid public relations swara bhaskar did you have to pay did i have to pay or was i paid either way no why would i pay i mean i don't pay anyone unless uh, they are doing hair and makeup for me um uh were you paid i was paid in gratitude and in respect and in uh, accolades and in a lot of praise and in a lot of solidarity by a lot of people uh, most of whom were not from the congress who were common citizens who sent me so many messages thanking me and um, um saying that they were proud of me and commending me i am paid every day um with such messages i when i go to airports strangers stop me to say thank you for saying what you do for being who you are for you know you say things that we're scared to say um one time i was sitting in a coffee shop and this boy came and he handed me a tissue paper and he said read it after i leave and it said my hi swara my name is ali um i just want to thank you because as a muslim living in india you have no idea how much strength and a sense of solidarity we get from people like you um 
And I think that that is my payment. And that is what in my head every time when I feel when I'm losing work, when I'm, you know, looking at my finances and struggling with EMIs. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, how should I keep my head above water? All of this payment, which is payment in kind, I guess, payment in emotional uh, uh, wealth, if that is a word, um, all that payment makes me feel like, no, I'm on the right path. And as far as the BJP is concerned, most of them are inveterate liars. Uh, they've been lying to the Indian public for the last eight years. Mm, they said that they'll, they they made all kinds of promises of Achhedin, 15 lakhs, whatnot. So this is just another lie by them. I wouldn't give it too much attention. Do you sometimes feel fear for the way you speak out? I mean, yeah, of course. I'm a human being. I'm. I. I feel everyone feels scared. We are. This is. We are living in a time where, uh, you know, fear is the currency of power. That's how they're. That's how they're making sure that they are able to exercise power by making us scared. So if you're in an environment where fear is the dominant, like, state, you will. It'll touch you in a way, but like you fight it because you know better and or you want better. If not, know better. You want better. I really took those um, um, words of Rabindranath Tagore when I was young to heart and it said that, you know, where the mind is without fear and the head is held high. And there is no better way to describe freedom. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's fine. Fear, fear is a state of mind. It comes and goes. We learn to deal with it. I always look around to see other people and I feel inspired by knowing that I am not you know, this is not a solo fight. There are many, many Indians who think like we do, who believe in the constitution, who believe in love, who believe in the fraternity of all Indians, who believe in equality, um, who believe in justice, who believe in the spirit of our national movement. Um, and I, I take courage and strength from, from them and who are suffering like I am, or I'm not really suffering, I'm very privileged, but who are having to suffer in worse ways than I am. I mean, I have friends in jail. Literally, like activists and students are in jail. Professors are in jail, you know. Um, so, can't complain much. I'm sitting in my house, in my beautiful house and chatting with you. Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at toipodcast at timesinternet.in.